Good morning. We welcome you into the Lord's house this morning. Will you stand with us? Let's sing this morning. <clears throat> Catamount Church family, how's everyone doing? Good. Let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Awesome, awesome. It's truly because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are alive. And because he lives, you and I can live also. And we believe that we are, we believe that he is, what he has done for us on the cross is the greatest thing ever. And we're so thankful for that. And for us to be able to meet here today in God's house, to be able to celebrate that, to be able to celebrate him and give him all the worship, honor, and glory is the very best that we can do today. So thank you so much for being here at Kavanaugh Church this morning. We've been praying for you guys all week long, and we know that God has something truly special for us here today. Um, if you are a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here with us, joining us here at, at this place. We love our church. We love our church people, and we want you to be a part and know all about it. There's a little connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you could, fill that out, and then right after church, you can take out these back doors. There's a little connect counter there. We would love to connect with you and your family. Um, 
share with you all about our church and what's going on this week uh, here at Kavanaugh. I mean, we have a lot going on at week. We have everything from Wednesday night services to uh, what is the new sport that we have? Yeah, pickleball. We got that going on now. So we would love you, again, we would love for you to figure it all out and get connected. All right, I'm going to invite you all to stay and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Great to see you guys. Let's pray with, pray with one another. God, thank you so much for bringing us all back together here at this place, God. Uh, be able to come together as the body of Christ to be able to worship and grow with one another. God, we just we cherish those moments. And God, we just want to lift you up this morning. Thank you so much for your son and for the salvation and for the cross, God. Again, because you live, we have the opportunity to live also. And we pray for salvation today. If, that, if there is somebody here that doesn't know you, that has not made that uh, that relationship happen with you yet. We pray that that does happen today because we know that it's the greatest decision that they'll ever make in their life, God. So we love you. We lift you up and we love our church family. Bless our services, especially as Brother Will brings the message today, God. Impact our lives and touch our hearts. Your name, amen. Greet those around you and we'll get connect, uh, started here in just a second.
faithful and Lord scripture tells us that your faithful love endures forever we praise you in this place for that love and for your unfailing love to us every day Lord we want to ask that your Holy Spirit have the freedom to move in this place and that we can put away distractions Lord we just ask that you meet with us today and help our hearts to be open to the word and what you want us to hear Help our lives to be changed from being in your house. And Lord, we declare once again that you are good. You are good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
God for his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. Glad that you're here today. Uh, be honest with me. How many, how many of you got woke up last night with the thunder and lightning and rainstorm? Raise your hand if you got woke up. Okay, good deal. How many of you were still awake when that happened, all right? You hadn't gone to bed yet. All right, that's kind of what I thought, all right? Good deal. You know, we needed the rain. You know, if we need rain. We need things to cool down. My prayer this morning is that uh, showers of blessings would fall in this room and that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in hearts and in lives. I pray that you'd be challenged by the sermon, and more than anything, I pray that healing, healing would take place in this room today. I'm preaching through the book of Proverbs on Sunday mornings. We're dealing with some hot topics that deal with our life and the maturity that we should have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in here last night, uh, late, I don't know, 9, 9.30, and I was practicing my preaching. Do y'all know I do that? I, I come in here when nobody's in here, and I, ju- I just preach my sermon. It is the best sermon all week that I preach, and it, it is to empty chairs. But uh, I, w- I was thinking last night as I was working my way through this sermon that uh, this, this, listen to me, this is not the best sermon that I've ever written and preached. I'll admit that. It's not the best. But it could be one of the most important sermons you will hear all year long. Here's what it has to do with. It has to do with knowing what to say and when to say it. Really what I'm going to preach about today is the strongest muscle in your body, your tongue. Your tongue can be used to tear people down or to build people up. And I pray this morning that you would give your tongue, your mind, and your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's start with Proverbs chapter 10. I'm going to read a couple of verses, 19 through 21, and then we're going to look at a whole slew of verses in Proverbs that have to do with the use of your tongue. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools die for lack of wisdom. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take the words that I speak this morning and use them to speak into the hearts and lives of those who are here. Lord, I pray that if we need to be convicted, For the wrong way we've been talking and using our tongue, I pray that conviction would happen. But dear Lord, I pray that healing would happen as well. All of us have heard words that have hurt us. We have spoken words that have hurt other people. And I pray this morning that we would make a determination that from this day on, we would use our tongue to build others up and to glorify the body of Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Not long ago, uh, one morning, I poured a cup of coffee and sat in my chair, and I decided I was going to read through the book of Proverbs. Uh, I wanted to do this for numerous reasons, but one of the reasons, Jason, was I wanted to time it and see how long it took me to read through the book of Proverbs. And so I set my timer and and I started reading. I didn't speed read. I didn't skim. I just read every word as it was printed on the Bible, the page, and uh, I went from first chapter to the last chapter. When I was finished, I glanced over at my timer and it had taken me exactly 51 minutes. Now somehow I was surprised at how quickly I had read this entire book. In less time than it takes to watch a... uh, a program on TV, a reality TV show, you can read through in its entirety the greatest manual on maturity in the annals of literature. Interestingly, the information of Proverbs is not given to us in big chunks or long chapters. It's given in small, pithy verses. The book of Proverbs is simply God's wisdom in small doses. And I have been struck with how many times the writer warns us about the way in which we speak, the use of our tongues, and the importance of speaking wisely. 
As I surveyed the verses in Proverbs again related to this subject, I found that they fit very nicely into three categories that we're going to look at today. Some verses tell us in plain English that we just need to shut up. Now, I said this not long ago in the pulpit, and Miss Angie had a harsh word for me that I don't need to be talking this way in, in the pulpit. But you know what? It's, it's here in the Bible. The, the Proverbs just tell us sometimes you just need to close your mouth. Sometimes we need to be cautious in what we say. Sometimes we just need to shut up. I remember hearing someone once say, never miss an opportunity to keep your mouth shut pretty good wisdom. That's what the writer of Proverbs says over and over again. In fact, I'm going to give you seven different verses that tell us we are wise to keep our mouths shut. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even tempered. How about chapter 17, verse 4? Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. So guys, it was, it was pretty stupid of you last night to say what you said to her when you said it, when you could have just kept your mouth shut. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel when they ought to shut their mouths. Proverbs eleven twelve. Those who have understanding hold their tongues. Proverbs 12, 16, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult without opening their mouth. Proverbs 19, 11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. And then Proverbs 29, verse 11, a fool vents all of his feelings but a wise man holds them back and keeps his mouth shut. There are certain things that are necessary for existence. They're necessary for life. You've got to have food. You've got to have water, shelter, and clothing. All of these are life necessities. Here are some things that are not life necessities. Are you ready? Number one, it is not necessary to state your opinion on every subject. In fact, most of us really don't care what your opinion is. Number two, it's not necessary to have the last word in every argument. You know that person, don't you? Number three, it's not necessary to demand your own way in every discussion. It's not necessary to defend ourselves against every criticism that is spoken. It's not necessary to inject our viewpoint in every conversation, and it is not necessary to draw a line on every subject. Now, when I did that in the first service, everybody said amen. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to keep our thoughts and our words to ourselves. You know, looking back over my life, and I'm about to turn 62 years old, I can say that the moments of which I now feel the most embarrassed are those times when I spoke harshly or hurtfully in a fit of anger or temper. Those times when I should have just kept my mouth shut. I went to Southwestern Theological Seminary back in the 80s, had a great education, wonderful, wonderful school of theology. My favorite professor was Dr. Jack McGorman. He was a distinguished professor of New Testament studies. He was my Greek instructor, and I took him for a few other classes as well. Brilliant man from Nova Scotia. He just, you just, you had to love Dr. McGorman. He, he spoke the truth to us, but he spoke it to us in love. He was the professor in my first semester in my Greek class who prayed this prayer over our first examination. So he passed out the exam and he said, students, let me pray for you. And so he started praying and he said, Lord, for those in this class who are tempted to cheat on this test, Lord, if they do cheat on this test, 
I pray in the name of Jesus Christ when they get older and have a medical condition and they have to go to a doctor, that they go to a doctor who cheated through medical school. (laughs) And let me tell you, you could have heard a pin drop in that classroom. No way you were, even if you were tempted to cheat, no way you were going to after that prayer, amen? We were translating out of the Greek New Testament one day, and he took us to the book of James chapter 3, that chapter that talks about our tongues. And after we had translated several verses in class, Dr. McGorman just stopped the class and he started telling us a story. And I I don't remember all the details to this story. It, It seems like in my vague memory that it happened in his home. His wife's name was Ruth. They had eight children, and one day, Dr. McGorman got into a verbal conflict with his wife, Ruth, and one of their daughters over something, and he lashed out at them and said some very hurtful things to them. Both of them erupted in tears. They went to their separate rooms, and Dr. McGorman said he just stood there feeling small and realized that that little muscle in his mouth caused great harm, speaking words that he could never take back. So he said, I did two things. I went to the laundry room and picked something up, and then I went into my bathroom. I shut the door, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I stuck out that little muscle membrane and just looked at it. And I picked up what I had taken out of the laundry room. I've got one right here. You know what this is? It's a clothespin. We used, we used to, my mom used to hang clothes out on the line with these pins. Y'all remember that? We still use them in my house. You know what we use them for? Chips, chip bags. We close chip, put them in the pantry. Dr. McGorman said, as I stood there, I took this, this, this clothespin and I attached it to my tongue. And I stood there and I looked at myself. He said, I'll never forget the two things I thought of. Number one, how bad it hurt. (laughs) Go home and try it. It doesn't feel good. He said, the second thing is how foolish I looked. A distinguished professor of theology, he, he earned three PhD degrees and he was standing there with a clothespin on his tongue. He said, it made me realize how powerful this little muscle in our mouth is. It can build up, but it sure can destroy as well. And he said, I had a bad habit up until that point to just say what I thought. And sometimes when I said what I thought, it would hurt other people. But after that day, I kept this clothespin in my pocket He said, I kept it there for years, and when I was in a conversation with someone and I was tempted to spout off and say something that would be harmful or hurtful, something I shouldn't say, I would just stick my hand in my pocket and I would feel that wooden peg and it would remind me of how bad it hurt and how foolish it was to speak out of turn. Sometimes, look at me, sometimes we just need to keep our mouths shut. The book of Proverbs also makes a point of telling us that we should keep our mouths closed over sensitive issues. Often there are principles of confidentiality and trust that keep us from talking about certain issues. And if someone has told you something in confidence, you don't need to be repeating that with your mouth. Here's what the book of Proverbs says about it. Chapter 11, verse 13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself. Chapter 12, verse 23 says, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. What about Proverbs 16, 28? A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Chapter 17, verse 9, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter, in other words, gossip, separates close friends. Chapter 20, verse 19, a gossip betrays a confidence, 
So avoid a man or woman who talks too much. And then chapter 25, verse 9, do not betray another man's confidence. And I cannot overemphasize in this room today how great of a sin being a gossip is. We try to spiritualize it in the church and say, let me just share this prayer request with you as we talk over the phone. No, what you're doing is gossiping. And God does not approve of it. In fact, God's Word has some pretty stern things to say about gossiping and about those who do gossip. If you've been doing this, I challenge you from the Word of God today to stop it. To just keep your mouth shut. Of course, it isn't enough just to shut up. God hasn't called us to take vows of silence like medieval monks. God gave us this remarkable capacity as human beings to speak. He's placed tongues in our mouths because he wants us to use our tongues to build others up. So you shut up so you can build up. Let me read a few verses from Proverbs about building others up. Chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Wisdom is found in the lips of the discerning. The mouth of the fool invites ruin. Chapter 10, verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The lips of the righteous nourish many. Chapter 12, verse 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Chapter 15, verse 4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Chapter 15, verse 23. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? I mean, it is good, is it not? It was Mark Twain who said, I could live for two months on one good compliment. Huh? Chapter 16, verse 23. A wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Let me tell you a story about Lou Gehrig. Y'all remember that name? He was a great baseball player, played for the New York Yankees for 17 seasons. When he just started his baseball career, he, he went through a slump. Now, All of us go through slumps in life. No matter what you do, you're going to go through a a barren time. You'll go through a slump. I can't tell you how many times in the 40 years I've been preaching that I've gone through what I call preaching slumps. I mean, all preachers do it. The the only way you can recover from one preacher is just just keep preaching. You just got to keep preaching and work your way through that slump. And that's the way good batters are in baseball as well. But Lou Gary got so discouraged, he was thinking about quitting. After several bad games, he doubted his talent and his ability, and his spirits collapsed. You could just tell watching him walk up to the plate with a bat in his hand, he wasn't going to hit the ball. A, a friend of his named Paul Critchell, who was the chief scout of the Yankees, heard that Lou was slumping, and so he took a train to Hartford, Connecticut and invited Lou to join him for a steak dinner at the Bond Hotel. Lou poured out his frustrations, and and Paul just listened to him. He he could see that the player's confidence was shot. Paul spent the evening telling Lou that all hitters go through slumps. All of them do, and even the best ones, like of that day, Ty Cobb, would only get two or three hits every every ten times they got up to bat. But eventually, good hitters, Paul said, would start hitting again. And then he looked at Lou and said, you're not just a good hitter, you're a great hitter. So just hang in there, buddy. Things will get better. After dinner, Garrick walked with Paul to the train station, thanked him for coming. And the next day, guess what happened? Lou started blasting the ball again. And over the next 11 games, he hit 22 balls, hits, base, base hits including six home runs. 
and his career just took off. Here's what he said. I decided not to quit. <laughs> I decided not to quit. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes we need to take a train. Sometimes we need to track down a friend, buy him a steak or a Whataburger and encourage them. We can do that in so many ways. Our children need encouragement. Our grandkids need to be encouraged. Their self-image is going to be based in large measure by the perceptions of what we think of them. And we need to find ways to affirm their strengths and express our love and our admiration for them. We don't need to use our tongue to tear them down. We need to use our tongue to build them up. Now, guys, based on what I preached a few weeks ago, yes, you've got to set boundaries for your kids. And yes, you have to discipline your kids. But there is a big difference between using your tongue to godly discipline your kids and to tear them down. We need to be building them up. I got three kids who are now adults. Now I have some grandkids. I can remember raising my three kids and being involved in all parts of their life, including sports, which was a huge part of the Harmon household. I can remember volunteering as a coach for one of Zane's little baseball teams. Wes, this was years ago. I mean, years ago when we first started playing baseball and and Wes and I both helped out on teams. This, this is before you and I got together on this team. I was helping somebody else coach a team. I think it was the last year of, of coach pitch for Zane. And so there were other guys on the team coaching that, that would do the pitching. My, I, my job was to encourage the kids. And I mean, I'd just get down their face and I'd tell them how great they were and they could do it. Man, you, you're a great hitter. Go out there and hit the ball or, you know, just encourage them. We had this little boy on our team. You just looked at him, you say, that kid's an athlete. I mean, he, he just had the body of an athlete. And in practice, he could tear it up. He could catch every ball that you hit to him, every ball that you threw at him. He could throw the ball like a rocket, and he could blast the ball. He could knock the cover off of it. But something happened to him when we had games. He would step up to the plate with his little bat, and he would, you, you could see him, he was almost trembling. And he kept looking back. He was looking at his dad. And when he would swing the bat and miss the ball, his dad would yell at him. And he, when he would strike out, his dad would scream at him where everybody could hear. And I thought, man, this, this ain't good and it's not healthy for that little kid. After, I think, the second or third game, his dad got him after the game, and I mean, he was just, he was letting his kid have it. He was yelling and screaming at him and telling him what he did wrong, that he couldn't do anything right. Why didn't he swing at that pitch? Why didn't he do this? And the little kid opened his mouth and said, well, coach said, and his daddy said, you don't listen to another thing that blankety-blank coach says because that coach doesn't know anything about baseball. You listen to me, boy. And I mean, just let the kid have it. was everything I could do not to go give dad a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> Angie remembers this. I mean, when I first started telling you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know the man, you know the kid. You know, I've, I've wondered time and time and time again, whatever happened to that little boy? Whatever happened to him? After I told this story in the first service, I had an old, old gentleman in our first service come up to the stage to talk to me. And he said, you know, you're, you're telling that story about that dad and their kid. He said, let me tell you, when I was just a little bitty boy, my dad said something good about me in front of someone else. He gave me a compliment. He said, that's been over 70 years ago, and I still remember it to this day. It built me up and encouraged me and helped me to be the man that I am today. But he said, you know what? The exact opposite is true as well. Somebody can say one bad thing about you, and it destroy you. Our kids need to be encouraged. Our kids need to be built up. And if you don't do it, who's going to do it? 
Our husbands and wives need encouragement more than they need that harping criticism that you continually give. Our co-workers need to be built up. Our friends and our neighbors need to be built up. Our leaders need to be built up. You need to be using your tongue to build people up, not tear people down. The Apostle Paul wrote something that sounds very much like the advice given here in the book of Proverbs. Here's what Paul said. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So, who have you encouraged today? You say, well, preacher, it, it's only eleven sixteen. Let me tell you, that's been plenty of time to encourage somebody. Who, who is God putting on your heart right now that you need to get in a car or a train or an airplane and go and see and maybe buy them a meal and sit down and encourage them. Who is God putting in your heart and mind right now that you need to go home this afternoon and call or text or write an old-fashioned letter to to encourage and to build up? If God is telling you to do it, my friend, you need to do that today. The third emphasis in the book of Proverbs tells us that while there is a time to shut up, and a time to build up, there's also a time to speak up. Let me read to you Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. There are certain groups today who can't speak up for themselves. For example, unborn babies can't speak up for themselves, but you can speak up for them. Small children can't speak up for themselves who are being abused, but you can speak up for them. There are young girls who are being taken, stolen, and sold into sex slavery. And, you know, old preacher, that happens over in the Philippines. Yes, it happens over there, but it's happening right here in Arkansas. You can speak up for them. You can speak up for the persecuted church around the world. You can speak up for those who are in the grip of poverty, those who are destitute. That's what it says in Proverbs chapter 31. Maturity is knowing what to say and when to say it. Spiritual maturity is knowing when to shut up, when to build up, and when to speak up. You say, yeah, preacher, I'd like to do better in these areas, but... You know, I just keep messing up. <laughs> how in the world can I learn how to say the right things? How can I learn to control my tongue? Well, if the book of Proverbs is anything, it is practical. So let me end my message in a very practical way on how we can implement this, how we can do this. How do we do it? Number one, you need to find a verse that applies to you and take it to heart. In other words, let's say that you're prone to fly off the handle and respond too aggressively to a provocation. You might select Proverbs 15.1 if that's your case. Take this verse to heart. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So maybe you need to take that verse seriously. You need to memorize it. You need to adopt it as a personal slogan. You need to print it out and, and put it on your refrigerator or your nightstand. Write it out and put it in your pocket or in your purse. Meditate on it. Repeat it to yourself. Or maybe secondly, you're prone to speak impulsively and without thinking. If, if that be the case, maybe Proverbs 13.3 is your verse. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly is going to come to ruin. If you're wanting to dedicate yourself to saying the right thing at the right time, maybe Proverbs 15, 23 is for you. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. If you think you talk too much, Maybe Proverbs 17, 23. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. 
and a man of understanding is even-tempered. If it's begun to dawn on you that you're opinionated and stubborn in your views, maybe Proverbs 18.2 is for you. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. If you're too prone to talk about others and tattle and gossip and say things that you wouldn't want the person in question to hear, then Proverbs chapter 20 verse 19 is for you. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. So here's what you do. You make a determined search through the book of Proverbs and you take that verse that applies to you and your personality and your problem with your tongue and you take that verse to heart. Make it your verse. Secondly, you convert your verse into a prayer. You see, becoming a person of wisdom and discretion isn't just a matter of turning over a new leaf or learning a new technique or practicing the power of positive thinking. No, it is the divine work of God's grace done in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Here's what it is. It's becoming like Jesus Christ. So take that verse and say, Lord, you have said that a soft answer turns away wrath. But Lord, I've done it again. <laughs> I got into that discussion with my spouse, and instead of saying a soft word, I, I spoke a, a word in anger, and, and that conversation turned into a fight. And Lord, I blew it again. I, I've messed up. I've, I've spoken in anger to my spouse. Lord, forgive me. And please take that verse and inject it into the bloodstream of my personality. Make it change the way I think and speak. Install it into the electrical panel of my soul. And really mean that prayer. Third, you bring that verse to mind throughout the day. Have you ever seen a television show in which right in the middle of the action, the scene freezes and a person steps in? They're the narrator. And the narrator begins to speak and tell you parts of the story that you need to understand to, to, to get the subplot that's going on there. And after the narrator has spoken, they step off the scene and the action resumes. That's what we've got to learn how to do. Right in the middle of an argument, right in the middle of a conversation or a meeting, we have to mentally freeze frame the scene and bring that verse to mind and re-pray that verse and said, Lord, I know what your word says. Help me to speak it now. Help me to say the right thing. Finally, you need to review that verse every single day. If you blow it, and listen to me, you're going to blow it and say the wrong thing. If you overreact, if you fail to speak up when you should, if you miss an opportunity to encourage someone, or if after the fact you think of exactly what you should have said, then you need to go back in your mind and you need to visualize yourself responding correctly and say, you know what, next time I am gonna do better. You know what it is? It's becoming more like Jesus Christ. It's giving Jesus supremacy in your life, turning your mind over to God, laying your body on the altar, and offering your tongue as a sacrifice to Him. You know, I, I thought last night when I was in here, maybe a pretty good way for us to end the service is for everyone in this room, and if you're in this room and still listening to me, raise your hand. If you're if you're that person, raise your hand. If you're here, a good way to end this service is for you to come on up here to the altar and just lay your tongue right here on the altar. Give it to That'd be pretty gross, wouldn't it? And, and those of you who are, who are germ freaks, you would be freaking out, wouldn't you? We'd have to spend all day tomorrow disinfecting the altars, wouldn't you? But I think you get the point. In fact, I don't, I don't think it'd be bad for all of us, every stinking one of us, to come up here to the altar today and present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord and realize that He has given us a mind to be used for Him, a body to be used as the hands and feet of Jesus, and a tongue to speak for him every day.
And there are sometimes, friend, you just need to keep your mouth shut. There are other times God's going to give you to use your tongue to build somebody up and help them through a rough day. And there are times God wants you to take a stand and use your tongue to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And all of that happens when we yield our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. So would you do that today? If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you a chance to to do that today, to be saved, to admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you, and confess him as Lord of your life. For the rest of us, may, may we come today and just mean business as we ask God to take our lives and, and mold us and make us into the people that he wants us to be. And, and let me say, if God is telling you right now, you know what, you've blown it, you've said some things that have been hurtful and harmful, you've said things to people that have destroyed their lives. You have spoken words in anger that have destroyed your marriage or your family destroyed a friendship, and God is convicting of you, you of that this morning, then friend, come and, and pray for his forgiveness. But get up and leave here today and go fix that problem that you created. Use that same tongue that you used to destroy someone to apologize and ask for forgiveness. Dear Jesus, I pray that that kind of healing would take place in this room, in our lives, and in our families today. Lord, if there's anyone who needs to accept Jesus as Savior, may they do it right now. For the rest of us who who need to come and rededicate our lives to you and, and give you our hearts, our minds, and our mouths, I pray that we wouldn't miss this opportunity. Lord, some of us just need to come and talk to you. And may we use this time at the altar today to do that. I love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for the honesty of the Word of God. And may the Holy Spirit do something in our lives right now that will bring healing and restoration to our souls. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. We call this time our invitation. I'm inviting you to come and pray to the Lord God Almighty at this altar. So would you just step out and come? Come and let us pray for you. As God speaks to you, you come right now.
Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, you would challenge us to use our tongues for good. Lord, I don't know, I don't know. My, my spirit is just, uh, is being touched by your Holy Spirit. And I don't know what it is, Lord, but there's, there's something going on in this room. I don't know who it is, Lord. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's there's someone in this room whose heart has turned hard. Lord, would you pry open their spirit and just pour your grace and love in there? And I pray that restoration and healing would take place. Lord, help us to remember that we're going to, be, we're going to be accountable to you for the words that we say. And so from this point on, help us, dear Lord, to use our words wisely. I praise you for this, dear Jesus, and I do pray for everyone in this room and those listening online. May your blessings be on us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We only have a couple of these in our house. We've, we've gone to those plastic ones. We've gone to the plastic ones to keep our chips fresh. But if you need this, I'll let you have it today. When you walk out of the room, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Come back Wednesday night. We have we have church for all ages. I've invited the president of Randall University, Bob Thompson, to be here and preach for us. Uh, school is about to resume, both publicly and in college, and Hillsdale, or Randall's about to kick off, and I wanted Brother Bob to come and give us a report and preach to us, so you be here for that as well. CC Riders, Ronnie, y'all are, are popping the kickstands up on Saturday and taking off for a ride. Enjoy that. WMO. WMO stands for World Mission Offering. And every year we take up a special offering for our international missions. And the money that is given goes to missionary efforts all over the world supported by Free Will Baptist. Kavanaugh has been the top giving church for WMO for the past five, six years. Thank you for giving. One, one of the reasons we are is because we give our whole Sunday morning offering to WMO. It's a give it all Sunday. So whatever you give the last Sunday of the month, which is August 27th, is going to go to World Missions. I want to thank you in advance. Just, just give like you normally do. It will be greatly appreciated. But here's my challenge. Would you pray between now and then about what extra amount God would have you give on that last Sunday? Because I think God really wants us to, to, to give a big, huge offering for world missions on the last Sunday of the month. The goal for international missions is that Free Will Baptist churches give $1 million on that one Sunday. My challenge to you, let's give $50,000. Think we can do that? You... Hey, use this for good right now. Can we do that? You better believe it. Here, here's what it takes for you just to give what you normally do and then add a little bit to it. Will you do that? Or right, pray about it, all right? Do that. Hope you have a great day. Keep your mouth shut.
whenever you can. All right, get out of here.